You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all fit. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Babes on Broad. I'm Jesse Town with my co-host Sam Wilson, and we're here for another week to talk about everything Philly and everything with the birds. So to start off, we're brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Um, as always, you can find our podcast on BGN Radio on iTunes or type in Bleeding Green Nation anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Google Play, whatever, and you'll be able to find us. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Babes on Broad. Um, you can follow Sam on Twitter and Instagram at SamWills18, and you can follow me on Twitter at RunThisTown with an E13 or at Jessica underscore Town on Instagram. And don't forget, you can also now rep Babes on Broad. You can check out our store on designtree.com. That's D-S-G-N-Tree.com slash Babes on Broad and get yourself some merch. So... We are going to do something a little bit different this week because this Eagles game on Sunday, (laughs) we can't talk about all of that and talk about the matchup with the Packers and do all of our usual Philly recipes, tweets, all of that. We can't do that all in one episode. So we're going to break it down this week. We are going to bring you one episode and then a second episode. And this one, we're just going to break down what happened on Sunday. Then later in the week, we'll talk about all that other stuff to start. This was a terrible, terrible, terrible loss terrible. for the Eagles. Terrible. Absolutely horrendous. And definitely takes a shot on your hopes for the season. One of those ones. A lot of people are in question now. Whether they're still a playoff team definitely doesn't look like they're going to make it to the Super Bowl as of now without putting some kind of run together, which you're nervous about with all the injuries still. So definitely took a shot to the Eagles fandom this week. And, you know, that's unfortunate, right? Because, you know, everyone goes into the season with such high expectations. And it's not even just the expectations. It's you see how close they are. You see that there's certain things that they need to fix. And, you know, hindsight's 2020, a play here, a play there, the drop here, the could have been sack there, needed to stop this play, a penalty here, a penalty there. I really hate it because... When things like this happen, it divides our fan base. And nothing is more frustrating than the kind of divisions that we have. Like people saying, oh, we need Nick Foles back, even (laughs) though Nick Foles is also unbelievably hurt. We had people call in this week saying, putting Josh McCallan over Wentz. That's how nuts. That's idiotic. Yes. That is stupid. If you called and said that, you are dumb. 
you are dumb on every level because <laughs> regardless of what some people have said, Carson Wentz is not to blame for this loss. Not at all. All, in my opinion. I think that there are arguably some plays you can look at and you can say, all right, maybe he missed somebody here. He tries to look for that first down. He tries to look for the big play and sometimes runs out of time when he could have had a check down and maybe Mm -hmm. gotten a chunk piece. But there are a few little things, like I saw a, a... clip today on Twitter that it almost looked like Miles Sanders went the wrong way on a route, turned around the wrong way. One of those where Wentz looked like he missed the throw. One of the ones he overthrew him? Yep, where it looked like it it was where he should have been, maybe. The one with Matt Collins in the end zone, I I mean, he just missed him. He threw the ball behind him. That was a bad miss. He was good this week. He just wasn't great. He wasn't elite. But I think what happens. I think think we'd be having a different conversation if certain things went different ways. For sure. To start off kind of talking about Carson Wentz, you know, we all said he needed to put together a full game, not be a tale of two halves again. I mean, this year, this week his stats were much better. I mean, through the whole game he was 19 for 36, 259 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he rushed four times for 33 yards. He was sacked three times, but he also had two tackles. I know. Did you see that? He had two tackles. That man saved a touchdown. He did. He hawked down that Detroit player and said, was it Darius Slay? I don't know. I'm trying to find it. I don't remember. But he absolutely hawked him down and he saved a touchdown. And he. That was a great tackle. Better tackling form than half of our defense. (laughs) Absolutely better tackling form than half of our defense. But, you know, I really just think that he's not what we should be focusing on this week. No, I agree. And I think that the first thing that we need to focus on, because we're going to rant and rave about a lot of things and kind of trail off and, and get really involved. I think, Sam, we should start talking by talking about the running backs. And I think we should start with the run game, what people are saying about the run game, and kind of what our opinions are. So just to kind of recap, they started off with Jordan Howard, and he looked like he rushed pretty well. Then they moved on to Miles Sanders, and, you know, doing the whole running back by committee thing, whatever. Miles Sanders is in there. He put the ball on the ground twice. Only one of those were a, they lost the fumble. Isaac Sayamalo actually somehow recovered the first one. But everyone's kind of freaking out that they're using Miles Sanders too much. They didn't bench him after that. And they didn't put Jordan Howard back in. Why aren't you utilizing Jordan Howard as much? Why isn't it balanced? Why, 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 why? And I wrote down a couple things here. But before, Sam, I would like to know your thoughts on that situation. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on it because I don't understand why did you even go for Howard if you're not gonna use him Mm -hmm. if you're gonna use a rookie instead I don't understand that and then I also think there were a lot of times when you could have used Howard to just run you off the field when you needed it I do think that Sanders is the better running back overall and will be the better running back in the future just because he's more diverse like Mm -hmm. you can actually have him go downfield and catch a ball right which you saw a couple times in the game and it worked I think Sanders was like, he was the Eagles' number one receiver in yards per reception. Yes. He averaged 36.5. Yes. On two receptions. So that's awesome. Like, he's very diverse in that fact, that you could use him both downfield and out of the backfield. But I just think they weren't smart with how they used it, for sure. I definitely think they're not smart with where they pick and choose to use certain running backs. I don't mind the running back by committee. I don't mind having different backs with different strengths, but I think they don't pick and choose the right spots. They do it too much in bulk. Yeah. And what I'm, so the, 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 the difference is 
So, Miles Sanders had 13 rushes for 53 yards. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry. He had two fumbles, and he lost one of those. He also had two receptions for 73 mm-hmm. yards, which we just talked about. Jordan Howard had 11 rushes for 37 yards, averaged 3.4 per carry, and had a touchdown. Zero receptions. Now, Miles Sanders had 13 rushes. Jordan Howard had 11. That's not super far off. But it, it's different. Like, that's stats-wise. If you had the eye test, exactly, it's different. Because they ran Sanders so, so much in that first half. It was only Sanders, basically. Yeah. I really think it's it's in the situations. And I think part of it is it's that Golden Tate thing again. Like, why can't Mike Grove figure out how to integrate him? Why can't he figure out what situations are prime Jordan Howard situations? And it's really unfortunate because we were so excited when Golden Tate was traded here mm-hmm. for not very much to come in and help you. One of the best guys in the NFL, you know, with yards after catch. And I get it that Miles Sanders is more dynamic, but he did have that fumbling problem at Penn State. I will say he wasn't bouncing everything outside this week. Mm-hmm. He was going upfield, and honestly, that's when he struggled and got those those balls knocked out. They can't figure out when to use him in these key situations. Now, I was amazed they put him in on the goal line. Yeah. Thank God they put Jordan Howard in on the goal Which line. Which is weird, though, because so that first touchdown when he got in the first quarter – before that, though, they tried to have Carson rush it, mm-hmm. which is nuts to me. So you're going to have your precious Carson. <laughs> <laughs> Our precious through, Carson. Which I'm not going to lie. When he got hit, he got hit by two guys when he drove for that end zone yeah, and he came like up that. short. Yeah. I was like, <gasps> like one of those yeah, like mom think, things because oh my God, that's exactly moms when I hit the brakes on the yeah, car. That's exactly how he got hurt in L.A. two years ago. Yeah. Was diving in the end zone like that. You know what I mean? So I was extremely shocked that they would call that play unless it might have been I don't know maybe Carson they called I, something else and Carson I, ran it I'm trying to remember oh that was it was like a long rush right to get the first down he almost got into the end zone in the on that first touchdown drive they it had it was semi long so yeah okay so like I maybe think, like 8 yards yeah it like he needed yeah. to get the first down and I think I think he just took off I'm trying to remember I think on that play I remember him just kind of taking off but yeah same thing he dove got hit we all gasped yeah It was nerve-wracking. He got up. It was fine. That was one of those things where I think everyone kind of looked at each other and went, okay, Jordan Howard. Like, this is the prime reason you got Jordan Howard. And And it worked out for him when they finally came to. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God they actually went to him on that, and, you know, that that was really great. But, you know— I, th- I do think Miles Sanders is going to be a really good player. I do think he's going to be really good for the Eagles. And I think I he's got a really good skill set. And obviously you can see he is like a – he has those kind of Darren Sproles-esque um, things from a running back perspective that not all do, as you can see by the difference in him and Jordan Howard. Yeah, we have Donovan McNabb on our morning show every Monday. Mm-hmm. And I liked what Donovan said, not this week, but the prior week, the week before. He compared him to Brian Westbrook. And he mm-hmm. was saying how – he has all the similarities to that. And then you have Carson, and he was saying how it really reminds him as they were young, they came into the team together kind of, and he was there a few years before Westbrook came in. Right. So he was saying that it has the potential for Sanders to learn and be your back of the future, and then Carson be your quarterback, obviously now into the future. Right. So I like the opportunity and the potential there. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think benching him in that kind of situation, it just takes away from his confidence. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, you know, that's like, that's why Doug Peterson isn't never pulled Nelson Aguilar except for that one game, which I think was kind of a collective decision of like, you need some time to just gather 
your thoughts. Well, that was all after like multiple offenses. Exactly. Of in his head. It was a lot. And it was yeah. just like, you know, I think you need a mental break kind of thing. It's not like the punishment side of it. I get it. Sometimes it works. A lot of times that's just gonna take the, take the confidence away. I agree. But not like, I think they needed to punish him after that fumble. Cause he the had second one. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like, even before, like, I think they should have after the first fumble, you got lucky enough to recover. Okay, give him a break. Let him know, like, dude, you're fine. Like, we're just going to try something else. Obviously, they're all over you. Like, make up an excuse. Take off the pressure from him, but give him time. Don't put him right back in when he's a head case. And, like, oh, my gosh, these guys are on me. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Granted, in the grand scheme of things, only six points came out of both fumbles that yeah. they had, which is lucky, thankful. But thank, at the same thanks time. Thanks to Carson. But at the same time, you lost by three. Yeah. So it's a difference maker. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Continuing on in the grand scheme of things, the two fumbles were the least of their worries on yeah. Sunday. Of all Correct. the things that were <laughs> terrible and went wrong, the two fumbles were the least of their worries. And talking about the running backs and what we're also saying is going to lead into our next topic that we need to cover when it comes to this Eagles offense. So we talked about how Miles Sanders had uh, two receptions for 73 yards. Um, well, Jordan Howard could have had a reception. And apparently that's something that uh, he was supposed to be working on in the offseason. But he had a ball hit him right in the hands that was not a catch. He was not the only one that had a ball hit him in the hands and that was not a catch. There were eight of them on Sunday. Now, his is yeah. one that people aren't are, are looking over and not talking about. Matt Collins had two. One of them would have been was still was an OPI call anyway, yeah. um, but he still should have caught it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had one and a fumble. Dallas Goddard had one. Jordan Howard had one. Zach Ertz had two, and obviously J.J. Ortega-Whiteside had one. Sam, tell me your thoughts on this debacle that the Eagles are currently having. That is my number one reason they lost. And if you have any other thought, you're wrong. Because you can't have Carson what, what's that word? repetitively. Repeatedly. I'm going to consistently. You can't have him consistently throw these deep balls to these guys that are difference maker balls. Like there's, I can't tell you how many times there was either a drop pass or a pass interference, an offensive pass interference on third down. Mm -hmm. Like that is when you need it. And you can't ask Carson to do anything else. And that's when your receivers, I don't care if you're a backup or not. You are a professional. You literally receiver. play in the NFL as a wide receiver. Yes. You literally have one job and that is to catch the ball. That you comes don't have at to you. do anything fancy. Carson puts it right there for you. Catch the ball. Catch you don't have ball. to do a one handed over your back. No, I feel like catch we all, we all made fun of Giselle when she said, Oh, you can't expect Tom to throw and catch the ball. She's right. She's right. She's right. I stand by Giselle on this one. I never thought I'd say that in my entire life. I'm opposite. I love you, Giselle. Okay. <laughs> I just can't stand Tom Brady, and I just think everything about him sucks. Um, <laughs> like, it's it's the truth. You can't – I mean, Nelson Aguilar, that was what? An eight-yard pass, maybe? It hit you in the hands, and you just – didn't secure it. You need to see it yeah. through to your hands, grip it, and you need to pull it in as quickly as possible. You need to bring that ball into your chest, your hip, your side, wherever you're tucking it to in that situation. Yeah. You need to pull it in and you need to pull it in at lightning speed. Otherwise, someone is going to come through. Someone's going to hit stripped, you. Yeah. And if someone, someone just grazed his arm and that was it. With that, now granted, that was the fumble, not the drop. But either way, you know, it's the balls hitting these players directly in the hands. And whether it be a safety coming over the top, you feel the presence of the defender coming to you, 
whatever they they have to make the, the yeah and these, this is the second game in a row where drops have cost you the game i mean goddard was all the room he had a in, step on him yeah he had room in the end zone he should not have dropped that in the end zone especially that is the difference between you know carson being 19 for 36 and being what is that 27 yeah for 36. it's nice to think about that isn't it yeah the 27 like added and that's the one 300 yards three or four touchdowns that's one reason I hate stats is because it doesn't show stuff like that. Like, if you looked at the stats, you'd be like, Carson's average. Yeah, that was like, an average know. day. You know what I mean? What do you expect? If his team actually showed up around him and supported him and did their job, it would have been a win by far. If the ball hits you in the hands, there is absolutely no reason why it shouldn't be a catch. And I literally came home from the game, was sitting on my couch, watching Sunday Night Football, Watching the Rams wide receivers make catches of of difficult catches, mm-hmm. having to reach, having to jump, whatever, and looking at it thinking, wow, what's that like to watch a team make it? Like, I, if a ball hits my wide receiver in the hands, one of my team's wide receivers in the hands, I shouldn't have to panic at that moment. I should panic while the ball's in the air, hoping that it doesn't get picked off, it goes where it should, blah, blah, When it hits them in the hands, I shouldn't have to be panicking starting at that moment. Well, I know what's funny about it. Like, you saying it reminds me of, like, when you're watching, like, a Little League baseball game. And it's somebody you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, please catch it, please catch it. Because you don't have confidence in them yet. Yeah. But these these guys are professional wide receivers in the NFL, the highest, highest of leagues. Yes. On a and team. And they can't catch a ball in their chest. On a team that is predicted to go to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Half of them helped win a Super Bowl. I don't understand. Listen, some of them, young guys, like, I get it, and I will applaud J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for standing at his locker, keeping his head held high, answering every question, taking ownership of that, but he is not the only one that's responsible here. Mac Hollins can't drop those balls. Nelson Aguilar can't drop those balls. And Zach Ertz, if your security blanket is dropping balls that he should catch, you are screwed from the get-go. Yeah. You are absolutely screwed. And I knew when Zach Ertz dropped that first ball, I went, oh my God, this is such a problem. Honestly, that's when it's scary for the injury worries of Carson. Because when he can't rely on his players, that's when he is like, I need to be Carson. I need to make something happen. He puts all the pressure on himself. He tries to make something happen. And that's where injuries come out of most of the time. Oh, yeah. And it's, and you know, part of it comes from him extending the play and um, his offensive line quitting on extending the play. Oh, my gosh. That is, that's all you can say off of that. That is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, did they, there's no excuse, but did they think that they, the ball went downfield? I, I don't, well, look, they were, wa- they watched Carson get tackled. All, they did. There were three and they didn't even them. run, like, after the guy when they saw him running. Like, at least chase him from behind to make it look like, Carson! Yeah. No. I tried! No, they're no. just like, oh, sh-. Am I, I allowed to say that? I don't know. I think my, I think we get bleeped out. Everything gets oh, bleeped. Oh, bleep! Bleep! <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to Just say about Just start the this. intro. Bleep 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 bleep, 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 Carson, you're not your fault. Bleep, bleep, Ortega. <laughs> Listen, Carson held the ball way too long. There was good coverage downfield. He was trying to avoid taking a sack. He was trying to make something happen. They were, I think they were losing at that point. And, and granted, I think they were losing by much at that point, but they needed to score. They needed to extend that drive. He's not going to, he, he needs to throw the ball away 
when he's going to take a terrible shot, he's never going to throw just throw the ball away. That's not yeah. ever a thought in his head. He needs to learn it, though. He needs to learn it, but it's one of those things that you might not ever get from him because he's going. He, he's not himself if he's not trying to extend the plays, and that's what makes Carson Carson and what makes us love him as a quarterback is that he never gives up on a play. But if he's never giving up on a play, his offensive line also never needs to give up on a play. There's no reason that the person that you were blocking and blocked to the ground should stand up, run by you, and tackle your quarterback. I don't care how long he's got the ball in his hands. I don't care how long he's holding the ball. If he is on the opposite side and you are pushing your block to the left and he's on the right, there's no reason that those players should get up off the ground, run all the way to the right side, and tackle Carson. I agree. Three of them. All three of them. He got hit by three people. You play until the whistle. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm so serious. I know. I agree. I agree completely. Hey, that's good news that just popped up. Doug Peterson fully expects Alshon Jeffrey to play on Thursday. Thank God. I'm just going to say, toot my own horn, because I said he was probably going to play this morning. So Doug was like, you know, Sam thought that was cool, so we're going to put him in. Sam's a lot smarter than anybody likes to give her credit for. Yeah, you know. That's what I'm saying. You are. You are. (laughs) Yeah. So No, but it also goes in the fact they actually kind of have a chance to win against Green Bay if they pull their shit together. Yeah, so they need him. They we'll need get him. into that. They need him. Um, yeah, we'll get into that in our next episode. The last thing that I kind of want to touch on with the offense was uh, the offensive pass interference calls. Yeah, um, I've never in my life, I don't even remember really seeing offensive pass interference until like the last couple years. Mm-hmm. But then never in my life have I seen that many on crucial plays. Darren Sproles. Now, I will say. Every single one of them was, in fact, offensive pass interference. Very slightly, though. It's not like an obvious, oh, my gosh, throw the flag. They weren't all egregious. Now, they were all correct. They're not wrong. Matt Collins pushed off twice, and Darren Sproles pushed off. I get it. However, I have never seen three offensive pass interference calls in one game. And it's just so nuts to me because... If it's three and they all, they did push off, but I feel like it's kind of like a holding thing. Like everybody does it until they get caught kind of thing. Yes. So how did their receivers not do it at all? And I, especially it's like one of those, like you're battling downfield. Both of you have your hands on each other and you're, you kind of get that extension there. And they used to let that be a no call, but now I'm going to blame this on the saints. There's (laughs) so much emphasis on this that, Granted, I don't. It's not going to be consistent because nothing is ever consistent in the NFL. That's going to be one of those things that is ruined because of people freaking out. Want to know what's funny? I'm going to use this as a little transition right here. Yes, Sam. Please. So there's such a stickler on calling the offensive pass interference correctly. Yeah. But they miss a dang face mask. The most egregious face mask ever. Ever. Like he actually could have been paralyzed if his neck went a little bit farther. There was a piece. Like, that was a scary, scary That was scary. There was a piece of his helmet on the field until there was a fumble and they started going the opposite direction. There was a piece of Miles Sanders' helmet on the field for at least 10 minutes. That was probably one of the most biggest, the biggest flip out I had during the game was because that was absolutely ridiculous. And I'm shocked we haven't heard anything from the NFL on that. Yeah. Because they need to do something about it. And they at least need to say something. We need to hear something about that. Doug gave it to the refs. And every single offensive lineman on their way on the field 
gave the ref the guy said that, something the guy that hit him like literally was running off the field like oh my god i can't believe i just got away with that like laughing in a way that he's like oh my gosh like what <laughs> it was so bad and there was a another really really bad penalty call in this game but we are really quick going to take a break and then we will come back we'll talk about the defense that side of the ball that glorious side of the ball for right now, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Talk about defense. We are the Babes on Broad on Bleeding Green Nation. We're back. So as we went to break, Jess teased one of the other. I'm going to say one because I have another one on my list that the ref sucked. But Fair a huge, huge call that was soft. The block in the back on Malcolm Jenkins right after he caused the fumble that Russell Douglas picked up and ran back to our 30. And then the Block in the back took him back to the 50. I love Malcolm Jenkins. I think they should pay that man anything oh, he yes. wants. Yes. Because he always, in a huge moment, comes up like that. He's the Brian Dawkins of now. And I yes. love it. Yes. He's the energy of the team. Yes. I absolutely agree. And there was a part of me, I mean, this sounds so trivial now, but there was a part of me when they lined up for that field goal that thought, someone's going to block this kick. Someone's going to block Dude, this Dude, I game. love those feelings. Yeah. I was like, just pre-call. I was like, someone's going to do this. Someone's going to do it. And I was like, oh my God, it's at Rasul Douglas's feet. Someone pick it up. Now, did you see the comparison of that block in the back versus what was uh, done to Rasul Douglas against the Falcons during that fourth and three long touchdown? No, but I didn't even think about comparing the two because I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. They're the exact same. And it wasn't called. They're the exact same because they didn't push him fully in the yeah. back and fully extend and knock him down. It was like it was they were blocking them yeah. a little bit, but not not in a way that was like a fit a literal block in the back. It was the exact same kind of contact that was not called a week ago. And that's the thing that really sucks about these NFL refs because everything is so it's not cookie cutter. Yeah, even though it should be. It's not. It's all about how you perceive it. Right. And that's the problem is it's so, so, so subjective. Yeah. It's so difficult to keep it consistent because little things like that. Completely change. That's completely change the game. That's taken us from our own 30 back right. to the 50 it's, in a time we needed to be on our 30. It's letting the Falcons score their game-winning touchdown to retake the lead. Mm -hmm. And it's not letting the Eagles be halfway closer to where they actually started that drive. Yeah, and it definitely was a big factor in the game. And it yeah. sucks. It's it's it was know. a soft play too. Like I would yeah. understand why you wouldn't call it. Because Malcolm literally looked like he was running. Yeah. And then the guy in front of him stopped, which he had a right to stop. He's going for the guy with the ball. But he stopped out of nowhere and it's kinda like when you're like on your phone or something and the person in front of you stops and you run into him. That's what it looked like. I mean, yeah. it's different because they're on a football field and they're running full speed and it's mm -hmm. different. That's how it was. Like, the guy in front of him stopped and he kind of ran into him. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it's it's one of those extremely, like, ticky-tacky calls that it's not going to be consistent. It's never going to be called the same but way twice. But it's also different, too, because, like, that's a ballsy call on the ref to have something that close in a game where it mattered. It and really did matter. Every little thing matters. Yeah. And it was so late in the game and that was huge momentum killer, kind of. Mm -hmm. Because you're so excited you got it back to 30, and then you're like, oh, shit, 20 yards back. Yeah. it was. I mean, it was terrible. And and granted, you still expect them to be able to do something with that at that position. They should have. Position. Yeah, but. Yeah, that was bad. And and Sam, actually, you have one more little, little issue with the refs that yes. I was at the game, so, so I did not see it. see it. I couldn't exactly tell 
My eyesight's not that great. But something that you pointed out that they totally messed up as well. With 250 left in the first. So if you remember, obviously you remember you have it down. But the first play coming back into the second quarter, they scored. And this set them up for it. So 250 or 250 left in the first half or first quarter. I had third and nine, you had third and ten. So but it was one of them close enough. Long 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 down in distance. Yeah, exactly. And Stafford threw it to Galladay, and he was short of the first down, at least a half a yard short of the first down. And the refs had a horrible spot and gave it to him by almost a yard. And that was a difference maker because it was third and long and it gave them the momentum. It allowed them to keep the drive going, which ultimately ended in a touchdown as soon as the second quarter begins, which is huge because that gives them the momentum still to go forward. Yeah. That first where they were on the field. I'm trying to figure out where they were on the field. Yeah, I wish I wrote that down. That was my fault. I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down either. Maybe be better about my game notes. My pen was running out of ink. I was struggling. I know. I noticed that when I went back to like these notes, I had like all like this much time was left in the game. It was third and nine. And then I was like, well, where were they, Sam? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to add it up over here with what I wrote down. I'll come back to you on that if I can figure it out. I, they were close. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Eagles set up, you know, they were playing their unfortunate sticks defense. You know, the, it was an empty backfield. You knew they were going to throw the ball. It was a third and long situation. They were trying to go back down and retake the lead, which they ended up doing because the Eagles were winning 10-7 at that point. And, you know, they had been playing relatively good defense to that point. They were playing a lot of co- a lot of cover one on that drive. You know, there there were some really good tackles. It's one of those things where, obviously, you know, I, I didn't notice it as much. It wasn't as noticeable yeah. from where I was. But, you know, if, being able to see it that close up on the TV like that, you there's no discrepancy there. No, and it's, I mean, I know the first down marker on TV isn't always accurate. Right. But it was definitely a significant difference that there's no way it should have been even if they spotted it yeah even if they spotted it where the ball actually went it wouldn't have been a first down but they spotted (sighs) it almost a yard after that's so terrible even the the broadcasters (laughs) even the broadcasters mentioned it because I noticed it and I was like wait no way like they're gonna because you know like they're like oh where they're gonna check it like see where they like put it down blah blah blah. so I thought they would come back and fix it like discuss it come back and fix where they spot the ball they did it and the broadcasters even mentioned it. Mm, mm, mm. No, and that's where, like, <sighs> so you can be such a stickler on the offensive pass interferences and the block in the back, but you can be so loose with just even spotting the ball. Yeah, loose with spotting the ball, and and especially in a third game of the season when the Eagles' defense has been rightfully criticized mm-hmm. very harshly yeah. for what they're doing. You know, that's the difference between the Eagles getting a stop there after one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays, getting a stop. Now, granted, they might have gone for it on that fourth and half yard, and, you know, who who knows what would have happened there. That's the difference between the Eagles getting off the field and the Eagles coming back with two full minutes left and being able to do something with that time already up 10-7 and not having to worry about going into the half, you know, maybe having that other opportunity. Granted, they, they they gave the Lions back the ball after that anyway, right before the half, yeah. which was awful. But <laughs> it's it's the difference between maybe the defense getting some momentum, maybe those guys getting a little bit of a break. Because there was a certain point in time in there where Fletcher Cox wasn't on the field for full drives. Yeah. There were a couple drives when we didn't see Fletcher Cox at all. He was hurt. Okay. 
But don't tell me he's healthy and ready to go if in every single press conference since the start of the season you're saying, well, he's not really there yet. He's he's getting there. He's working his way up to it. No. You have two defensive tackles that have broken feet. You have Akeem Spence and Hassan Ridgeway in there that are not going to command the kind of attention that a guy like Fletcher Cox is going to command regardless. He's going to get all this attention. He's not fully healthy. And he didn't show up in the stat sheet at, oh. at all. Carson Wentz was in the defensive stat sheet more than Fletcher Cox. Let that sink in. (laughs) Let that sink in. They're not getting pressure, which is a problem in itself. They started three ends on Sunday. Yeah. They started three ends and a tackle. They were moving Vinnie Curry inside, which he can be effective inside. He wasn't. They stick with the four-man rush. They dialed up some blitzes. The blitzes aren't getting home, and the corners can't cover. So you're not getting home on the blitz. Your corners are screwed because ours can't cover. We're in a lose-lose situation here. What are your thoughts on this one, Sam? I don't know how to fix it. Even um, so Dog yesterday spoke. They might just be talking to media and not actually confessing their true thoughts. Mm. But it's so tiring hearing them still being so optimistic. Yeah. You have a chance to go down one and three to start the year. And you're coming out and you're just like, well, you know, Fletcher, uh, it's kind of like Brandon Graham last year, you know, like, and Brandon Graham was not productive last year. No, exactly. That's what he's saying. He's like, so it's kind of like that. Like it's going to take him time to come back. Okay. Well, we can't have that. We don't really have time. And we have nobody else besides Fletcher. That's scary on this D line. You need him. And if you don't, you need to get somebody I don't know where or who, (laughs) I don't have the answer for that, but you need to get somebody that's scary. I agree. And this is where things like Barnett's being a monster. Yeah. He's, he's getting in there, but you know, this is, it's, it's things that we've talked about the Phillies, right? Like I don't mind them having confidence in their young guys and hoping and not buying their entire team and hoping that they can develop these young guys. But there's a certain point where you have to look at it and say, we are not doing a good job of what of this right now and not doing a good job of evaluating talent. And it's things like passing up on a guy like Jadevian Clowney. Now, granted, Jadevian Clowney is a an elite run stopper. From a pass rush standpoint, he's not he's not as good. His he doesn't have those, you know, crazy numbers that, you know, you're looking for. He's a phenomenal elite run stopper. He would be better than what you've got right now. Well, you also think about it like that's based off of his stats. Who did Houston right. have at the time to be that pass rush? You know what I mean? So it also depends what team was around him. I guess. Here, yeah, him, think about, like, they didn't really, they never really were able to have him and J.J. Watt at the same time. Exactly, because they were because always they, injured. Because they were hurt yeah. back and forth. I don't know. And it's, it's he definitely would be the, dif- not the difference maker, but a big difference maker. He would be a difference maker. Yeah. And it's, it's between things like that, and I saw something today that said, you know, in terms of Jalen Ramsey, the Eagles were really close to getting Jalen Ramsey on Friday, and J- the Jags backed out because they want to yeah. try to keep Ramsey. And I just think that that, that ship that's sailed, pathetic. and that's I hope, I hope, not going to work. I hope Ramsey kind of throws a hissy fit, and he's like, I think he already has. I'm going to sit down. No, like, kind of like the dramatic, like, sit in the middle of the field and hmm, cross your arms <laughs> and no. I'm not playing. Like, uh, his name's. <laughs> His name's blocking me right now from the Steelers. Now he's with the Jets. Oh, Le'Veon. Le'Veon. does not show yes. up. Yes. Do that, man. Just I mean, don't show up. it's easy for me to say because I'm like, yeah, just sacrifice millions right now. Make Take a stand so that you can come here. But please do it. But I mean, but you'd get a Super Bowl ring his, possibly. His option for next year is 13 mil. So he's not really sacrificing much now on his 
you know, at the end of his rookie deal when exactly. he's got the option because he was a first-round pick. So the the corners suck. Darby's going to be out for a while, which isn't the which, worst oh thing in the world. Oh, my God. It's no. not. Oh, no. Whoa. Come back. <laughs> um, I, someone, people keep saying Jalen Mills is close. How close? He's close, but um, I saw Dave Zangaro said since he's on the pup list, no matter what, he, he has, has to be to out be until week, week seven. Si- yeah, week six, he's done. It's yeah, after so week like week six. seven would be when he can. Ah, goodness gracious. Well, let me tell you a story. I talked to Jalen in November last year. You're right, year. man. Jalen Mills, you Yes, I talked to Jalen Mills <laughs> last year in November, and I said, Jalen, when will you be back? And he said, I'll be back in two weeks. And I said, before or after the Saints game? And he said, I want that Saints game. And I said, all right, Jalen. Either Jalen lied to me or that medical staff was infinitely worse than anyone thought. Now, they've since well, been fired. Wait, wait. Can we... Talking about the medical staff. Please. I'm sorry. I go just ahead. cut it off. No, go. You and Rob had mentioned this to me the week before about Deshaun. Yes. About how... Was it last week then? It might. Have, it was last week. Maybe. Yeah. Because oh, when... Oh, it was the, the ab was yeah, before and because then it was the groin up, and we don't know. I brought up how it was strange that they go from taking him out of the game due to a groin... And then it comes out, they don't mention and mention anything about the groin, and they talk about abdomen. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's strange. How does it happen? And you and Rob both told me that it was most likely, when those things are connected, a sports hernia. Right. And today, on The Fanatic, that's one of the things that they mentioned on the morning show, was that it could be a sports hernia, which, if they're not, not diagnosing that and they're going to wait, that's huge. Yes. Because they could have had... It's like a six-week recovery or something. Somebody, yeah. yeah. So I mean, surgery needs no. It's well, surgery. surgery, but then it's like a six weeks yeah, after yeah. that until you. If can, they wait too long, that's what we I'm won't saying. see Deshaun again. So if you knew that that's the potential, why not make sure right away in week two after week two, mm-hmm. and you have you check that and you get him that surgery right away so he can be back by the end of the season when you really really need him. Right. And I think the difference is now I'll have to go back and I think it was John Clark actually that tweeted the clip that was like, "Hey, do you think this is the play that Deshaun got hurt on because it looks like he's he's going and he's he's running just like a straight seam and he just kind of like pulls up. No one's really on him. I think the safety might have been over top, but they were focusing on somewhere else. And he just kind of pulls up a little bit, and you see him kind of hobble, and then you see him grab, like, his inner his inner mm-hmm. thigh. And it's like, hmm, okay, if there was already an ab thing before, which they mentioned he hurt his ab before, yeah, and no one said anything about yeah. it. So if he hurt his ab before, and then he, that the groin was separate, that's one thing. But if they are connected, and they're not doing anything about it, and it might there's the chance that it could be a sports hernia, that is a giant, giant problem, and you are going to fire a medical staff for the third time, because that is straight incompetency. Jess, it would not surprise me if it comes out two, three weeks from now, and they're like, well, Deshaun's not getting better. It's actually a sports hernia, we think. I will be livid. I, I will be at the we door. We storm of the, the Nova- field. We storm Novacare. <laughs> I will be at the door of the Novacare complex. Like, hello, excuse me. Someone needs to give me answers. Egg because it. this is I will okay. egg you, Novacare. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't actually, because we'll never get a press pass. <laughs> no, we're kidding. We won't do that, but we'll be But I'll be furious. We'll be upset. As fans, we will be upset. I just. But it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me. And I just, I just, I'm just so frustrated with, A, the medical staff. But going back to the defense, I was watching Sports Center this morning. And last night, 
The Bears defense had a monster game. Granted, they were playing the Redskins, but even our defense couldn't have a monster game against the Redskins. <laughs> uh, Khalil Mack had a bunch of sacks, forced fumbles, deflections, just doing He's Khalil just Mack a monster. Thing. Yeah. Well, when he was interviewed after the game, something that I thought was extremely notable was they asked him, you know, what what helps you be that dominant? What what do you mindset do you guys have as a defense? Blah blah. blah. And his response was. Those guys behind me really do their jobs, which allows me to take the time to get home, get to the quarterback. And I'll tell you what, my secondary did a phenomenal job. I have to take them to dinner this weekend. And I was like, interesting. That must be nice. What's that yeah. like? We don't have that. But it's also interesting because I always thought it was the other way around. Like it's more on the front line to push press, like put pressure on them. You know what I mean? It's like they work together. So like the front line has to get pressure. But if corners aren't covering and receivers are wide open, it doesn't matter because yeah, that ball's because coming out gonna, so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you've got to get a good push. Okay, that makes sense. But also the cover, the corners need to be able to cover, so then the quarterback has to hold the ball a little bit longer and you have time for the defensive line to go. But you all, you know when also you don't have any time? When you have 10 players on the field. Oh, my gosh. 10 players. Ten. Who was that? Baldy pointed it out. He put a little That's breakdown on Twitter. That's how I knew Twitter. it wasn't a joke. You texted me. Ten. You, you, you texted me. OMG. Look what I sent you on Twitter. Dude. That was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And Jim Schwartz was asked about it today, and he just said, you know what we do. We roll around. We keep guys fresh. We're going in, in and out. Derek had j- Barnett had just gone down with an ankle. Yeah. And then and that they, was after the fumble recovery. And then the fumble happened. Yeah. So they're trying to figure it out, and they sent guys out, and that was where Derek Barnett should have been. There should have been another end there, and there wasn't. No – and I wrote that down. I was like, why are they in – why do they only have three in front? Why is this only a three-man rush? I don't understand. Because I think it was another long – It, was it another, ended up being the long run. It was a so, – J.J. McKissick or yeah, whatever. But, but it was a – it was a long down-a-distance situation. Oh, you know, like that. Let me check my notes. So there were, I mean, it was a great play call, but there were literally, and like I sit with Joe while he's watching film of high school kids and he stops and counts them because they're in high school. They don't always get, sometimes there's 12 and they get called. Sometimes there's 10 and they're, they're dumb. Like he was watching film the other day on, I don't even know. I'm not going to blow this school spot up, but like he was watching (laughs) film on some school and there were like six plays in a row where they only had 10 guys on the field. And like, we couldn't figure out why, but this, but this was just just, just ridiculous. And granted, a good play call, well executed. We do it with Nelson Aguilar. But I don't have it would have been Barnett's tackle because Barnett's yeah. that speedy and it was his edge. It was his edge, the open side that they I it down. I am. It's just sloppy. It's sloppy. so sloppy. It's That's unacceptable. That's something that you'd expect from the Miami Dolphins defense. Not this You're defense. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Not this defense. Unacceptable. It was an unacceptable uh, and inexcusable. And they almost got away with it, too. They're like, almost, <laughs> almost no got one away noticed. with it, kids. No, almost no one noticed. No, and then I saw Baldy, Baldy and I was like, ah. I, I didn't was, I had just calmed down. It took me like 24 hours to calm down after this game. I had just calmed down. And then I saw that. And I was livid last night. I lost it. I was so mad. I was here by myself yeah. freaking out. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it goes back to what we just said and before the break here, you are a professional football team. You cannot, I repeat, not 
make these stupid plays and not play like you're a professional because you're playing other professionals. I don't care how much you think those other people suck. You cannot suck more. And that's what they did. You did suck more. And it was, it was painful. And it was one of those things that like half of us were the Dean from Penn screaming yeah. like that. He dropped and the F-bomb on TV, which and it was awesome. fantastic. <laughs> and half of us, like I just sat there shaking my head. I was just like, I can't even believe what's happening right now. I can't even believe it. We needed that, and that hurt us and puts a lot of pressure on us for the rest of the season. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a loss, which sucks. And they did some really unacceptable things. But it's one of those things where last year they lost on that god— they they blew that lead to the Panthers. They lost. Then they were able to turn it right back around. They went up to the Meadowlands on Thursday Night Football, and they put a good beating on the Giants. Granted, the Giants are terrible. It was a good— confidence boost to send them into the rest of the season to kind of help them along yeah maybe this is a quick turnaround and this is this is what they need they have to catch green bay it's green or a quick turnaround for them so they have to catch to them off guard too you know it's yeah. not going to be just a walk in the park um we'll break it down next because it's a tough matchup looking at the yep. stats it's kind of scary but it's it's possible okay we're gonna go to our second break and then we'll just come right back and we'll close out our final thoughts before we're done Okay, so we're back, and before we close out the show, Jess, what are your top three reasons the Eagles lost this game? My top three reasons, number one is drops, for obvious reasons. Number two is turnovers, also for obvious reasons. And three, the defensive line. We knew our secondary would kind of be the weak link of this defense. Um, we knew that they weren't the best, we not the world's best corners, but we were relying on some of these guys that did such great things for us to help win a Super Bowl. And the fact that the blitzes aren't getting home, the defensive line can't get any kind of pressure, that is my number three on my list of why this game was such a bad loss. Okay, I'm not far off at all. My number one obviously drops. Mm-hmm. You're an NFL team. You can't have... The, I think it was actually listed as like seven official drops. And then I'm giving them eight because that's yeah, Jordan you give them eight, And then even Tyrone Johnson from the Fanatic has questionable nine. So mm-hmm. that's it's nuts. You can't have that. That's no. almost always going to give you a loss in the NFL. And then my number two are this is this set. It's the D line. We have only two sacks this entire season through three games. That is the worst start. Stats-based in stat or in sacks. Worst start since 1982. That's when the Super Bowl era started. The worst start according to sacks ever. That's terrible. Terrible. That's, that's so bad. Terrible. That's so. You played the Redskins in Week One. I know. Oh my God. Which we tore apart their offensive line, and we didn't do anything. We tore them apart in our show. I mean, but we, we didn't did. do anything. Yeah, we tore apart the offensive line. We tore apart the Falcons' offensive line. Yes, and we... Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Anderson Dejo has one of those sacks. That's terrible. Come on. That's that's his second sack in his entire career. And then my three, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna do the refs. Because that's... It's costly. You have to be better than that. You can't... I mean, I know it's a subjective call on most jobs. But Mm -hmm. be fair. Be smart. Don't cause a game. Like, you know what I mean? Don't decide again. Okay. 
thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Babes on Broad for both of them. And then I'm at Sam Wills 18 on Instagram and Twitter. And then Jess is at Jessica Town with an E13 on Twitter and at Jessica underscore Town with an E on Instagram. And make sure to download the podcast, rate, review, and share. And visit the score, our store at or designtree.com without the vowels in design. And get some merchandise. Be on the Babe Squad. Support. Okay, so from myself and Jess, we will talk to you guys soon. We're the Babes on Broad, and we'll see you very, very soon. Go Birds. Babes on Broad.